Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Great to see you tonight. Excited, excited always to be in God's house. Well, tonight I want to talk to you from the book of Joshua. Uh, some people have wishes. They got things they really kind of like to see happen. Others, like Joshua, have purpose. Wishes do not come to pass. In fact, Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, he said, believe you receive them. You know, in Oriental religion, Hinduism, Buddhism, the, the idea is to get rid of all desire. They, they will tell you that the, all that's wrong in the world is because of desire. But that is not Christian at all. Uh, Jesus tells you you need to have desire. And without that desire, nothing is going to come to pass. If you pray for something and forget you prayed for it, you, you, you didn't desire it much. There's got to be desire. Again, some people, they just have wishes. But Joshua had purpose. You know, there was a whole generation of Israel that just had wishes. <laughs> they died just wishing. We could say that they had a wishbone, but they had no backbone. Joshua turned wishes into lands and cities and homes and possessions. Because they weren't just with him, they were not just wishes. They were purpose, they were a desire that God had put inside of him. To receive from God, we, we really need to stay focused. You've gotta have purpose, you've gotta have desire, and you've gotta stay focused. And, and literally, you need to be willing to pay whatever price needs to be paid. You need to be willing to sacrifice. People that are not willing to pay the price and willing to sacrifice don't receive much. They don't go very far. So what we find is the unbelieving Israelites, they were whining and they died in the wilderness. Joshua, who believed, he, he whined and died in Canaan, right, in the promised land. He received. So when we come to the book of Joshua, Moses has just died. And this is the Moses that delivered Israel. This is the Moses where the Red Sea split. This is the Moses that went up on the mountain and spent 40 days in God's presence, came down with the Ten Commandments, that manna came down from heaven during the time that he oversaw Israel. And he dies and Joshua steps in. Now, Moses had prepared for this. The Bible says that Joshua had the spirit of wisdom because Moses has laid his hands on him. Laying on of hands is one of the fundamental doctrines mentioned in Hebrews chapter six. In other words, God does things when a believer lays hands on you. There can be an impartation. It can be a point of contact to release faith. But Moses, in the presence of the people, had laid hands on Joshua. The Bible says he had a spirit of wisdom so he becomes the new leader, and he's to take them into the promised land. And by the way, his name means the Lord is salvation, or Jehovah is salvation. That's what his name means. So they come to the Jordan River, and he tells the priests to step in. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And when they do, the waters back up, and they stand in a heap. 
and they just keep backing up. And Israel goes through on dry land. And by the way, I think it's really interesting that the Bible says they backed up all the way to Adam. All the way to Adam. In other words, when God does something in you, when you receive Christ, he takes it all the way back to Adam. And you're not, you are taken out of, so to speak, Adam's family, and you're put into the family of God. So that was a great victory. And the people are beginning to recognize the Spirit of God is on this man, Joshua. The first city inside of the promised land is Jericho. We all know the story. He sends the two spies. Rahab hides the two spies. And they come back and they say, look, the city, God's given us the city. The men in the city are afraid. It says in Hebrews 11, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. So God gives Joshua a plan. Now, I think you know this, but sometimes when God tells you to do something, you look at it and it does not make sense. So God said, I want you to take the army and march around the city. Day one, march around it once. Day two, twice. Day three, excuse me, day, day, each day, one time, one time, one time, one time, till the seventh day. And on the seventh day, march around seven times, blow the trumpet. And when you say, when the trumpet sounds, all the people are to shout. But nobody's to say anything until the trumpet sounds. And I think you know why Joshua said, do not say anything, because how many of you know what some of the people would have been talking about by the fifth day? This is the stupidest plan I have ever heard of. Whoever put this guy in charge, you know, everything would have been going wrong. So Joshua said, do not say a word until the trumpet blows and then shout. And when they shout, the walls fall down. They go in, they take the city. It's a great day. Everybody's celebrating. God has given them victory. The next city is a small city by the name of Ai. Now Joshua sent from Jericho to Ai, which is besides Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel. And he spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and they spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and they said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men of Israel, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebaim. Now, this was the exact opposite of what they thought was going to happen. They thought they were going to have an easy victory, and instead there's a defeat. Now, let me just, just mention something here. Very often, when we have a great success, the next thing that happens is a failure because we forget what brought the success the first time. You know, it's really true even about King David. He finally becomes king of all of Israel. And when it's time for kings to go out to war, he stays home. He's bored. In fact, the Bible says in the afternoon, he got up from a nap and went and walked down his house and looked over and saw Bathsheba. And we all know how that ended. But it was after a time of great victory that he kind of let down his guard. And he forgot what got him to that place of victory to begin with. Now, 
If you read the story, you might think, well, first of all, the big mistake that he made was, well, he only sent a few people. He should have sent a lot of people. And, and when I, I, I thought about that, I thought that's kind of like church. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but at church, it's a few people that tend to do all the work at church. In fact, it's a few people that serve. In fact, this is what they say. They say 20% 20 20 of the people do 80% of the work at church. And 20% of the people give 80% of the money at church. And 20% of the people eat 80% of the food at the church picnic. <laughs> you know, they call it the Pareto principle, you know, the 80-20 principle, that there's 20% of you do that gets you 80% of where you need to go. But unfortunately, in the church world, what I just said is really, really true. And I think it's one of the greatest problems that we have in the church today. You know, in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it says that he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. In fact, literally, my job is to get you ready to do the work of the ministry. And in Western society, we've had the idea, no, 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 it's the pastor, it's the evangelist that are supposed to do everything, but that is not what the Bible says. And because we have an a unscriptural concept of what church is supposed to look like, we don't have the blessing of God that we should have. And people are not growing in the gifts that God has given them. And I think you know this, we don't get saved by doing good works, but we do get rewarded for them. There is a reward for them. When we lived in Mexico, there, there was a, a saying that kind of, it said there were, there were two flies that were sitting on a yoke of oxen and they were plowing the field. And those oxen, they're just plowing and plowing and plowing. And the one fly looks at the other fly and looks back and sees that furrow long and straight. And the one fly says to the other fly, look at us plow. Look at us plow. <laughs> you know, I, I think in church that happens sometimes. All right, it's look at us plow, look at us plow. But the real thing that happened here was that there was a man by the name of Achan. And when he went into the city, he saw, the Bible says, a beautiful Babylonian garment. He saw some silver and a wedge of gold. And he took them. Now, because it was the first city, God had said, that's my city. And everything in there belongs to me. It's kind of a type of, how I many you know God always wants to be first? In your marriage, in your work, in your family, in your finances, and everywhere. God just says, I got to be first. And so everything in that first city was supposed to belong to God. But what happened was one man out of the thousands that went in, just one man took the gold, took the garment, and uh, literally Joshua falls on his face when he sees this defeat. And, the, and he's crying out to God and he's praying. And the Lord said to Joshua, get up. How many know there's a time to pray? But there is a time for action. And God, th this is literally like the only place in the Bible God tells somebody, quit praying. Quit praying because prayer is not the problem here. The problem is there is sin in the camp. He said, why do you lie on your face on the earth? 
Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed the commandment which I commanded them, for they've taken some of the devoted things and have also stolen and lied, and they've hid them among their own stuff. Right. So when, when we have, when we put it like this, we make good decisions when we have good information. We make lousy decisions when we have bad information. <laughs> you make lucky decisions on no information. <laughs> and you always make bad decisions with no prayer. And the one thing that Joshua did here is he did not pray. He didn't get God's plan for taking Ai. And if he had gotten God's plan, God would have said, time out. There's something we need to do before we go and attack this city. Okay. Because you cannot take what's dedicated or hallow to God, holy to God, and use it for any other purpose. You know, in the book of Daniel, there's a king who takes some of the the gold uh, vessels from God's temple and uses them in a pagan party. And when he does, the hand of God shows up and writes on a wall. And it was because he had taken something that was holy, that was God's. And there, there is a principle of, of the first. And it's very simply that God wants the first of everything in our life. Again, whether it's our time, our money, we need to put him first in our job, in our family. In, in Leviticus 29, he says, all of the tithe of the land, whether it's the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it's holy to the Lord. It's holy. Now, really, the word means dedicated or it's set apart for a special use. In other words, when, when uh, I make $100, God says, I have a plan for 10 of them. I want them to do something in my kingdom. All the rest are you do what you want. But that first ten, he says, I've got a plan. And, and God says it, they're, they're, they're set apart for a special purpose. Now, what I just read, and people say this, well, that's in the law. And that's true. But hundreds of years, almost 500 years before the law, Abraham goes out, fights a battle, He's coming back, and the Bible says Melchizedek, who's the king of Salem, and the New Testament really tells us a lot about him. It says he's the king of Salem or Jerusalem. He's the prince of peace and the king of righteousness. He has neither father nor mother, nor beginning of days, nor end of days. Almost for sure, we're talking about Jesus. He shows up, in fact, the Bible says in the New Testament, that Jesus is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He comes out and he blesses Abraham and he brings, the Bible says, bread and wine, a type of the body and blood of Jesus. And Abraham gives him a tithe of all. It was before the law. In the New Testament, Jesus said, you should be doing that. You should be tithing. In the book of Hebrews chapter seven, it says, hear men receive tithes. And the author of, of Hebrews is literally saying, right now, where I am today, men are receiving tithes. It's, it's not law. It was before the law. It was during the law. It was after the law. Because it's just a principle that you and I always put God first. And when they didn't do it, 
That's when something happened. The blessing of God was taken off from Israel. And I think it's interesting uh, in the book of Malachi, it says, well, a man robbed God, yet you've robbed me. And you say, what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. Uh, he says, but when you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, he said that there may be food in my house. He says, improve me in this or test me. It is literally the only time God says to test him. And see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, I, I want to say something here that I'm not saying this to get some money from you. I'm saying this because this will bless you. It will bless you. Jeannie and I have done this for all our married life. I did it before we were married. And, and I can just say that it never costs anything. Because God always, always blesses. And always way more than makes it up. Somebody might say again, well, it's just the law. But the Bible says the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. It was just teaching us what we needed to do to bring us to Christ. So what happens is really, really very interesting here. God tells him what he needs to do. He says, you need to find out where the problem is. He says, so they find out, they cast lots, and it falls on Achan. And he said, tell me what you've done. And he said, look, I saw these things, and I took them back to my tent. I love this. And I dug a hole, and I buried them, and they're under my tent. So the stuff that he took, it did not help him. In fact, it ended up hurting both him and his family. So they cry out to God because of their defeat. God shows them what to do, and they deal with a problem. Again, God says to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie in your face? Israel has sinned, and they dealt with that sin. You know, it's, it's very important that we do the right thing the right way. The right thing was to fight AI, but the right way was to wait until they had direction from the Lord. Uh, when David becomes king, the Bible says that he wanted to bring the ark, which was the presence of God, to Jerusalem. And so they put it on a cart and they're bringing it in. And when the oxen stumble, a man named Uzzah reaches out and touches the ark, which has the tangible presence of God. And he falls over dead. And the Bible says, well, David, was just, he's just upset. And he takes the ark and he puts it in the house of Obed-Edom. And it stays there for three months. And then David hears. He says, hey, everything at the house of Obed-Edom is blessed because the presence of God is there. And then he says, well, let's bring up the ark. And this time, the Bible says he put some poles through the holes on the side and had the Levites bring it up. And he says, the reason we had problems last time was we were doing what God wanted us to do the wrong way. Got that? They were doing the right thing the wrong way. How many of you realize that we don't need to just do the right thing, we need to do it God's way. And when they brought the ark in the second time, it was a tremendous, tremendous blessing to all of Israel. In fact, what happened was so important that God says in the New Testament that I'm gonna restore what happened when David brought back the ark in the Old Testament. So first, we've gotta do things that are God's will 
God's way. So they defined what the problem was. They found out. God said, look, here's the problem. And then they prayed. They took care of that problem and they prayed and they got a promise from God. And God gave them a strategy to go and take that city. Now, when we've got a problem, we need to do the exact same thing. We need to go to God. I, I think I shared, in fact, I know I shared this morning about Mac McPherson. God just spoke to him and says, every problem that people have, I've got the answer. And if they'll just ask me, I'll tell them. I'll tell them the answer. So they got the, they, they got the strategy from God and then they implemented what God had done. Now, in closing, what we often do is when we fail, we quit. Get that? We fail and we quit. Joshua failed and he failed miserably, but he didn't quit when he failed. He stayed focused on what God had called him to do and went back and did it again. This time he did it different. This time he did it with God's plan. The Bible says the righteous may fall seven times, but rises again. You may try something once and it might not work out for you, but that doesn't mean you quit. You go back again. How many of you prayed for somebody and they did not get healed? Do we quit? No, we don't quit. We go back again. We keep doing it again. We keep obeying the word. We keep on going. We f sooner or later, we're going to find out where we're missing it. God will show us. I've had a few setbacks. I'm sure you've had some setbacks, some things that, that would cause you to go, hey, I'm going to back up. But the Bible says that's not what the righteous do. The righteous, when they get knocked, the righteous thing to do when you get knocked down is get back up. Get a plan from God. Move ahead. Keep moving ahead. Keep moving ahead. You know, Brooker T. Washington, man, did great things. He had some setbacks. He was born into slavery. Thomas Edison, I don't know if you know this, he was partially deaf. Abraham Lincoln was born to illiterate parents. Lord Byron had club feet. Robert Louis Stevenson had tuberculosis. Alexander Pope was a hunchback. Admiral Nelson had only one eye. Julius Caesar had fits of epilepsy. Both Henry Ford and Walt Disney both went bankrupt. And Frank Sinatra suffered from bipolar disease. There's a lot of people that have had some setbacks, but they kept going. They did the, they did the righteous thing. And for us as Christians, that, we're, that is what we're supposed to do. We just go back. We keep going back again and again. David said this. He said, for you will light my lamp. The Lord, my God, will enlighten my darkness. For by you, I can run through a troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. I can leap over a wall. We just keep going back. And we say, God, I know you're for me. And we're going we're to keep going. The Bible says, if you faint in the day of adversity, how small is your strength? And every one of us are going to face setbacks. Every one of us are going to have obstacles. We're going to have problems, but you don't faint in the day of adversity. You stay focused. You plug into the Lord. You get his answer and you go after it. And again, the person that will stay focused, that has that strong desire on the inside and will stay connected to God. God is going to see 
you through. So would you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.